Hi, sweet seeds. Thanks so much for taking a moment to listen to how I started this podcast because it's been so much fun. So if you're thinking about starting a podcast, I highly recommend you check out Anchor. It's free. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. This means all your friends get to support you. Anchor really is everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So if you're ready, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Now back to the episode. Welcome back to another episode of Motivation. I'm your host, Shannon Vasilix, and I am so happy to be here for another week. Today, we're going to talk about how to approach the afterwave of a crisis. And though you might be saying to yourself, but Shannon, the crisis is not over. We are still right smack dab in the middle of it. Yes, you might be right. However, it is never too soon to prepare for the end of something that is inevitably going to end. Before we dive in, though, I do want to say a great thanks to anyone who has contributed, to all my listeners, to every anyone who has shared this podcast. You mean so much to me, and you're, you always have a place in my heart. If you would like to contribute or share this podcast, please visit www.motivation.com, and in the upper right corner, you'll see the social links and be a sweet seed to sign up. If you'd like to be a guest speaker, or if you have a question you'd like me to talk about on a future episode, please email me at motivation at outlook.com. All right, let's dive on in. The afterwave of a crisis. I'm going to start preparing right now for something that's going to end because I don't know when it will end. Will it end tomorrow? Will it end in three years? I don't know. If I can learn to prepare in the midst of a crisis for the end of it, then I will be better prepared to handle any other waves that will or might come up. And though I might not know the practical things that I will need to do to prepare and to protect myself, I do know the emotional, the mental, psychological things that I can do in in order to help myself approach the afterwave of this crisis even better. Things are starting to open up again. Schools are opening back up. People are going back to their regular lives now that it's become people are going back to their regular lives. I was talking to my mom because she works at my elementary school. I wanted to get some insight on what it was going to be like. She told me there was still going to be 65% of the students there, 45% distance learning. Those 65% of the students, they are to remain six feet apart, wear their face masks, all the requirements that we all have heard every single day. At first glance, that might seem fairly normal, but then I thought about it some more. Are kindergartners, first, second, third, fourth, fifth graders. These are children who are expected at all times to remain six feet away from each other. And this does not stop just at the classroom. This goes into the lunchroom and all the way onto the recess playground. And not only that, but these children, when they're on the playground, they are restricted to one area of the playground, one group of people that they can play with. And they have to be six feet apart still. I told my mom, that seems extreme. It seems like they took it a little too far. She told me, you know what? You might be right. It's going to be very hard to get these children on board, but we got to start somewhere. And as the year goes on, 
We might become more lenient. We'll see what works. That shifted my whole perspective. I realized at that moment that when faced with a challenge, something we've never experienced before, something we don't really know how to handle, we just have to start somewhere. Put the peg in the ground, start somewhere. And from there, we can become tighter or more lenient. We can go left or we can go right. We can go up or we can go down. We get to make that choice, but we have to start somewhere. And when I said this seems so extreme, I meant it. It seems wildly extreme to force children when they're playing at recess to play in only one part of the playground. I say extremes because I experience a lot of the time people like to go to extremes. All in or not at all. Extremes. When you go to an extreme, you are separating. Extremes are separative. They don't allow you to find balance inherently, but you can find balance even if you are at an extreme. Imagine two extremes. Either these children follow all the rules or they follow none. You can see those two points on a plane. When you go from one to the other, you travel in a straight line. Halfway there, right smack dab in the middle, that center point, that's the point of balance and that's the point of union. That's the point where everything is going to feel sweet. You can apply this to all sorts of different things. Somebody has a problem with you. Oh, stop doing that 100%. I won't even talk to you anymore. How many times have we heard that? Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just won't talk to you at all anymore. And I'll leave you alone. I'm sorry. That extreme is so separative. Finding that point of balance in the middle would look something like, I'm so sorry I interrupted you. I will pay closer attention next time to see if you're busy and do my best to not intervene. It's a point of union. We can come together and we can find a solution that works for both of us. Find the solution that works for everyone. Let's, let's go into finding an extreme and imagining, imagining how to get out of it. Everything I do fails. Imagine that mindset. Imagine if that was really truly what you believed. Imagine how your life would play out. Imagine how you would approach new things. You would think that you are destined to fail no matter what you did. You would think that prior to even giving it a chance. On the opposite side of that extreme, I'm the best at everything. Everything I do turns out amazing. The same concept on a different end of the spectrum produces an entirely different result. If you think you're the best at everything, no matter what you approach, you're going to always feel like you're going to do a good job. So what happens if you don't? You're separating yourself from your truest self, the, the self that is in the middle of the extremes, the self that is just there at the point of balance. If you contemplate the strengths of one extreme and the weaknesses of one and vice versa, you can see how they complement each other. How the strengths in one can balance a weakness or another or complement another strength. You can weave the extremes together. Even though they're on the same spectrum, we can weave them together. Weaving both ends of the spectrum together, we find a middle point that lasts. Middle point that balances. Middle point that brings together all that needs to be present. 
We find the strengths that balance a weakness. And we, we, we don't have to choose a side. We don't have to choose an extreme. Because there is always that perfectly balanced center. There's always that point of behavior that is not too much or too little. It is just, just right enough. Find that point and go towards it. Applying this to relationships, say you reach out to your partner and you say something along the lines of, it really bothers me when you speak to me while I'm on the phone. And the partner says, well, I just really need to ask you questions and you're on the phone a lot. So I guess I just won't ask you those questions. I'll just try to, I'll just figure out everything out by myself. Clearly that partner is going to an extreme. They're not trying to find a solution that works for them and their partner. They're just trying to solve the problem by giving the partner exactly what they think they want. Well, the partner doesn't actually probably want that. Most people, when they're in a relationship, they want the best for both parties, not just the best for themselves. So the partner that is stating, I just won't interrupt you, I won't talk to you on the phone, I won't answer these, I won't get the answer to these questions ever, they are going to the extreme. When they go to the extreme, they are pulling themselves further away from their partner. They're creating more distance. They're creating more space. You're creating more lack. Because when you have more space for whatever you have, it looks more empty. You're creating more lack. So instead of bringing yourself immediately to that extreme, and you, in, instead the partner decides, okay, you don't like when I interrupt you on the phone. Well, here's the thing. I really just need to answer these qu- I need the answer to these questions. They're time sensitive and I feel you will know the right answer. And you're on the phone a lot. So, maybe next time I will try writing you a note and you can write your answer on the note. And the partner says, "That doesn't work for me. I'm not going to be able to write while I'm on the phone. You just need to not interrupt me ever again." Now that partner is going to the extreme. The person who offered a point of balance and the other person rejected it. They went to the extreme. Both partners have to be willing to find that point of balance and to not let themselves get knocked off of it for any reason. One way we can kind of work with that attempt is that we can communicate what we're doing with our partner. Partner says, hey, you interrupt me on the phone. Other partner says, I hear what you're saying, can definitely understand how it would be disruptive to be interrupted on the phone. Here's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to find a solution. Here's my problem. I'm ask, I need to ask you this question, and you're on the phone a lot. So my thought of a solution is that I write a note with a yes or no question, and you write yes or no. Do you think that would be a good point of balance for us? Now the other partner knows what they're doing. You have shared what you are doing with your words so the other partner knows that you are actually not trying to displease them. You are actually trying to please them and please yourself. If you say something that expresses, look, I want to find common ground. Here are my values underlying my reasoning for my argument. And then you can ask at that point, what values do you have? I've shared mine. Now, what values do you have? We have this issue. What, what are your underlying values? Now we've both gotten to share what our values are. What do we have in common? What do we share? What values do we both hold, even if we might approach it differently? 
Okay, we share these values. Great, now where can we collaborate? How can we come together and how can we find this point of balance that works best for both of us? When you're actively sharing that this is what you're trying to do and you're actively communicating clearly, I want to find common ground. Here's what I value. Here's what I need. Here's why I care. Here's why I feel this way. The other person now hears you and will want to share their experience. They'll want to share their values. They'll want to share what, what they want to do, their goal. And if their goal is not to find common ground, then no common ground will be able to be found. Getting clear on that before getting deep into arguments is really, really important because especially in this time after a crisis, during this crisis, people are constantly talking to each other about what they need, what they like, what they don't like, what they believe in, what they don't believe in, what they value, what they don't value. Constantly, everywhere, we're going to be bombarded with this kind of interaction. If we're able to come to each person that we communicate with, with this knowledge, with this base of, look, I want to find common ground. Look, I don't want to fight. I don't want to argue. I want to come together. I want to know you better, and I want you to know me better, and I want to see how we can work better together. Imagine if everybody did that. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if we're going to see that happening on many Facebook arguments, but imagine if people did that in their close relationships. People are spending a lot more time at home under a lot more stress. This is a whole new world. One of the most common things that we do is interact. We have conversations. We have challenges with our partners, with our families, with our friends, with our coworkers. If we can learn to communicate that we do want to find common ground before it gets out of hand, we can learn to collaborate more effectively. And this crisis, we won't feel alone. We won't feel this extra layer of stress that comes from feeling so annoyed or frustrated by each other. In some of our relationships, we can even add to this and reaffirm how we feel. Look, I want to find common ground. I really care about you. I don't want to lose this friendship. Or I don't want to lose myself and my values to yours. So can we find some common ground or is this where we split? Can we agree to disagree if we can't find some common ground? Can we honor our relationship over our beliefs? If not, if you can't, know that you now have a choice to tolerate, negotiate, or terminate in the relationship. You can tolerate. You can say, okay, you can't agree to disagree. Well, honestly, I'm just going to move on. Blah, 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 blah or negotiate further, I really think we should agree to disagree because I see how this part of your argument is strong and etc. Or terminate. You know what? We can't agree to disagree. I don't think this is a healthy relationship. I think we should split. So we, we have this power in our lives to make our lives feel easy or feel difficult. And a lot of times it's who we surround ourselves with that nourishes or nurtures whatever that perception is so if your friends constantly are talking about how horrible this pandemic is and all these mask wearers are just crazy then that's what you're going to experience that's what you're going to bring more around you 
And if what you're bringing around you isn't what you want to bring around you, being able to address it in a healthy way, in a way that offers unity, offers more connection. can be as simple as, like I said earlier, look, I want to find common ground. I care about you. The more political challenges we experience in our future, the more slippery each conversation's slope can be. Find common ground. If you can't, can you agree to disagree? Can you honor the relationship over your beliefs? And if not, tolerate, negotiate, or terminate. Now, in my belief, termination really only needs to happen in like toxic relationships where mental health is severely disrupted. In those cases, and if you feel called to, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233 and get the help that you need. In our relationships and our political parties' relationships, we have to understand that collaboration is critical to the survival of anything during a crisis. As you hear me say often, as above, so below, as within, so without. Our relationships, our interpersonal relationships, are not much different than the relationships of the people in power, of our leaders. They have relationships as well. They have relationships with each other, they have relationships with us, and they have relationships with their own people. If we collaborate, we have one of the most critical tools of survival to help us through this crisis. If we collaborate, if we organize, if you want to start a revolution, you have to organize. If you want to continue a certain system, you have to organize. Collaboration is key. Now, as a community, as people, we are not a government, but we are powerful, so powerful. Our words, our actions, our experiences with each other are so powerful in growing with each other and in growing our community. In our organization, it has to stem from empathy. If we're going to organize against or for any cause, we have to organize with empathy. Empathy knowing that this is going to be difficult. This has been difficult and it probably will continue to be difficult because if you're going against or for anything, you're always going to have opposition. Holding compassion and empathy for the opposition allows you to have one step ahead to say, I know why you feel this way. I'm going to honor how you feel, but I still want to find common ground. I still want to make change. I still believe in what I believe in. These are my values. Stay true to your values. Stay true to your goals. Stay true to your morals. Stay true to your good relationships. Find that common ground. Collaborate and express how much you care about each other. How to approach the aftermath of a crisis. Approach it with empathy and organization. Supported with love. That's it for today's episode. And thank you again so much for anyone who has listened to today's podcast or any of them in the past. The impact that we can make together is so vast and so grand. I believe in every single one of us. Stay rooted.